You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to this edition of the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. Today we have Lieutenant Mike Campo, Ladder Company 45, to talk about a fire he had in Upper Manhattan, a large type, multiple dwine. How you doing, Mike? Doing fine. Thanks for having me back, Brian. We're basing it on an article that you wrote in the second edition of 2019 of WNYF. Kind of like most of your other articles, last time you were here, we talked about commercial fire, taxpayer with steel plating. You kind of take an ordinary job, and when something out of the ordinary happens, you write an article, which is a really valuable learning tool. In this instance, you had a large multiple dwelling, Upper Manhattan, couple of curveballs here and there. Going to be an easy one to talk about because so much went on at this fire. Maybe you could just start us in the beginning. Now, you guys were out on the air at a different highway box and you had some details incoming. So It was one of those warm, humid nights in early September. And we were short that night, so we had three details. We were just operating at a car accident on a Cross Bronx Expressway. And we picked up a box in Manhattan. One of the other officers picked it up on the radio as I was switching over. We made ourselves available for our first due box for a phone alarm for fire on the fifth floor. And what are your concerns responding from the air, like not your normal response pattern? Luckily for this response, we were able to turn around on the uh, highway, the next overpass, and get back on with no traffic. They didn't really have to remind the chauffeur about our intersections because we were sort of coming in our normal pattern. We didn't have to watch out for other units, but when we respond from not our typical locations, we have to be a little bit more safe as we approach those intersections because we're not sure which way other units are coming in from. I know when you get a box and you're not in your normal location, oh, you want to get in first, do it's your fire, it's a phone alarm. A lot of units are responding. We have to respond safely because if we don't get there, we're no good to anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Upon arrival, tell us what you had. What was your size at when you rolled in? When we first made the turn coming down the block, we have an overpass that we sort of have to duck under by the Port Authority, by the GW Bridge. But I thought a haze was laying down the street. So I spoke to the chauffeur and just reminded him that we have a three-lane exit coming off the bridge where people try to beat the light to make sure we slow down. I was able to see that the smoke was laying down the street. And I just said, hey, let's slow down and coast in a little bit. We don't want to pass it on the way in. And the engine had gone past the building right to a hydrant. And when we came up, we almost parked right in the front, and there was two large trees. We really, we couldn't see the front of the building. Knowing it was a corner building and reading the SIDS information about the size. How big was it? Because I know I looked uh, at it. Google I think it was 100 by 100, six-story brick, multiple dwelling, non-fireproof. It actually faces two streets, so we had the option of parking on Fort Washington Ave or 177 Street. Either position would have been good. Also with the tower ladder, it's great to take the corner. This building had no fire escapes in the front. So taking the corner would have gave our OV or any member of the outside team access to the front and also exposure to side if we had to use the bucket. Uh, One for water operations, we can cover more ground. Two for VES operations or just rescue down the road. If we had a fire that came out of the apartment and lit the paint off in the stairwell or the public hallways, People are going to need to get out of the building. And so it offers the tower ladder more rescue points. Yeah, absolutely. You talked about it being a hazy, humid day, 100 feet of frontage on the building. A bunch of detail, a little bit about our procedures. If you're spotting in, slowing down, 
Were you able to determine the location of the fire right away? Or? At first, no. I saw the engine officer signal me in with a wave almost to the lobby that the occupants were down at the front door for us. They did, unfortunately, leave the apartment door open. I know in our fire prevention efforts and our FDNY efforts, we talked about the importance of that, but the tenants had left the door open. I glanced upward, you know, just taking a look and saw nothing. And as we started making our way up the stairs, I heard the OV talk to the chauffeur and they communicated they had to move the rig back between two trees and that they spotted smoke seeping out the windows now up on the fifth floor. So then I knew that we're really probably going to be working towards exposure one. Yeah. Do you remember offhand what type of SIDs you get? And for our listeners out there, SIDs are just our critical information dispatch system. Gives us a uh, little information about the building, sometimes construction features. and. Uh, yeah, it was an MD, six-story. I believe it was 100 by 100. One stairwell, no well, long stretches. And I believe it said 11 apartments per floor, which is kind of difficult when you get to the fire floor if the smoke's down to the floor to find that fire apartment when there's 11. And it also, I believe, said it had two large shafts. And you had an apartment number, correct? Did you, yes. Did you do anything prior to getting up to the fire floor yes. to try and prepare uh, yourself which way to go? I, I definitely did. Working with two details, and I, everybody's amped up now. We got in first due. As we made the stairs, we would come around the bend from the newel post. I glanced up, and I saw the smoke was almost down to the floor on five with the apartment door open. And I just yelled to them, hey, I'm going to find out where 46 is so that we're lined up with 56. So I actually found 46. Yeah, that's where taking a minute of time prior to getting to the fire floor can really help. Many times I'll knock on the floor below. Absolutely. They open the door, you get a layout, yes, just a quick you know, layout. Especially early in the daytime, dinner time, up till midnight. They're usually maybe still awake in the apartment to sure. open the door. Sure. And I feel that my members know that while they're forcing the door, I don't have to be supervising them. I have a little pattern where they'll force it maintain control of it, mask up and wait for me because then I'll come up with the information if I don't radio up. Right. I also found out that if I radio them, a lot of times they want to take off. <laughs> it's almost better that I come up and I verbally look at them. Yeah. This way I tell them where they're going or who's doing what, and we go in as a team. Yeah, and your area of the city also, that's so important because – some of the big buildings in Upper Manhattan and across the bridge along the concourse in the Bronx, not your ordinary layout. Sometimes you open up into a living room or a long hallway and having an idea of the layout is tremendous. Right. That's very, I think, across the city, you know, anywhere in Brooklyn or the Eastern Parkway, they have some big buildings. Any place you have gorgeous views. Years ago when money started moving out of the downtown area and they built beautiful buildings uptown, everybody wanted to look at the cliffs or watch the Hudson River. So you had these McMansions and apartments up there. Yeah, sure, sure. Before we go a little further about the fire, let's talk about some of the difficulties we have with these type buildings. So I'm sure in your SIDS, they probably describe what type of stretch you had. There was no well hole, so it was a difficult stretch to the fifth floor, 100 foot of frontage, 11 apartments per floor. This is the kind of operation where you, every engine you have on scene should be put to work to get that first line into, into De operation. Definitely. I know the first two engines stretched and we had the long return stairs which went up like 12 marble stairs with no well hole correct? no well so hole wrapped stretch. around the banister you had to go back again up to the next flight of stairs so one as a truck officer you know the stretch is going to be a little bit delayed it's coming it's not like they 
lost water. It's just it's going to take some strength and endurance to get that line into yeah. place around the Newell Post and uh, definitely two companies to get it in action. Yeah, yeah, if not more. <laughs> yeah. Something like right. that at a difficult stretch like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to do, but it might be a way of an IC being proactive, right. just ensuring that first line getting in operation. Yes, and one of the things, too, I, I know I've had some people say, you know, don't you guys consider the FDNY alternate stretch right away? Well, we really want to stretch up the interior stairs because we always want to protect them for life hazard, you know. Well, and exactly, down, and that I is mean. why we do it. You just said it's a it's a 100, foot, 100 by 100 building with 11 apartments per floor. Our concern is life and the, the people coming down the stairs, so you have to protect that stairwell. That first line and 11 apartments per floor too. And it, it creates other difficulties. I'm just thinking as the job goes on, you know, how many lines you could get in one, one stairwell, you know, the IC, some other things he could be proactive about is putting it over the radio to anticipate a bottle stretch because uh, Definitely. we like to put two lines up that stairway and stop there ideally. And one of the things that's prevalent right there, what you're speaking about is with the bottle stretch, that was the call here for additional lines because we had no fire escape in the front to do any type of fire escape stretch. Right, right. Yeah, that's the only other option then. All right, so now you're at the front door. You have control of the door. You meet up your inside team. What happens next? Right as we're at control of the door and we're making entry, the fire was only in five, eight feet to the left. We heard screaming, and right to our left, the door opened in the adjoining apartment, and there was two females, and uh, I tried to get back in the apartment with them while the can firefighter and the irons were attacking the fire, and they were uh, wasn't going to be a shelter in place. There was sheer they panic there. They wanted out, and the best thing for me, they had towels and blankets in their robes, and the best thing for me to do was sort of pull the apartment door closed and get them back to the stairwell. I let the members know real fast I was removing them. I got them down the stairwell, and I came back, and as we approached the apartment, the can was getting light, and I noticed that the bedroom door was already burnt off and the old bedroom transom window had failed and the fire was coming down over our heads, had complete control of the, the hallway in the apartment. Unfortunately, there was a piece of furniture in the apartment, so it wasn't like we could scoot further past and pull the door closed and leave the can firefighter. Search deep in the apartment, so we just were sort of at a standstill with the can for a moment. I went to the right with the irons firefighter and said, let's find another door. Maybe we can throw it over the bedroom. And with our luck, <laughs> both entrances to the right were the archways, one into a kitchen, one into a vestibule, and then to the bathroom. And the bathroom door was smaller. And we were trying to pop it off. And that's when I heard uh, the commotion from the outside. My OV was making entrance in the other window uh, the VIS, the back room, but then the chauffeur said that they had a woman showing from the top floor apartment now. Directly above. Mm-hmm. And your chauffeur's on the towel at a turntable. Yes, sir. In the article you stated you were using the can to try and hold it back, to try to get the line in place, but then an urgent came over? Yes, sir. Our roof firefighter gave an urgent. During his perimeter search, like we mentioned about the two large O shafts in the building, he was smart enough to look over the shaft for any victims, fire extension, and he gave the urgent, which was well called for, that there was an auto exposure in the shaft. That was why we were waiting for the engine company to get up with the nozzle and get to our location. So now we're using the can, and now we hear this urgent. And then the truck boss 
I know that relays to me just to mention to the engine officer, hey, when we start knocking this fire down, we have to get that line operating into the shaft. There was, as we talked about in the article, as we get further into the fire, we didn't realize that this was auto-exposing into two different apartments. Yeah, we'll get into that for sure as we go. And we could also touch on shaft fires too. You know, our procedures, when we have reports of fire in a shaft, it's control the room first and then get to the nearest point. We could put the line into the shaft to try to minimize the extension. And also, just to go back from it, you talked about a transom window. Maybe some of our listeners aren't right. familiar. Just explain right. that, that, what they were used for to get some light and air. Yeah, into apartments. years ago, in the hallways, in the public hallways, they used to have the transom window that you could open it up and it would get airflow through the apartment, through the windows, and up into the stairwell. That became illegal in the city of New York, and they were all taken out. Yet we'll still see them inside apartments, and that some are still used. And now, with today's modern Let's look like the old days. People are stripping the wood. They're trying to use the windows again in those rooms for a bedroom if they haven't been removed. And this one was still functioning, but the glass had failed, and the fire was coming out of that room right down the hallway at us. So you have the bucket up, and your OV is communicating about a a trapped person showing at the window on the floor above. What happened? Was he able to remove him at that point? Well, this is where the fire got a little strange in a way. You're saying the floor above, there's smoke coming out of the window above her. Uh, We didn't know at the time she's cut off from her secondary means of egress. Ladder 34 is making entry into that apartment and they're looking for her and they can't find her. She's actually in the adjoining apartment, but there is smoke coming out of over her head and she's on the top floor. So 34 didn't find her in there, but they had auto exposure there. Yeah, so that's probably, so, if looking back at it, maybe not didn't know it at the time, that was not the apartment above. That was another apartment Yes, that you might even have extension other than just a heavy smoke condition. Right, but yeah. from the outside, when the windows are lined up like that, you can't really tell. And when you see a victim yeah. and there's smoke coming out of them, it's a straight-line building. You're thinking it's the apartment on the floor above. Sure, sure. Absolutely. All right, so now you have a report of extension. I mean, from an IC's perspective with 11 apartments per floor. I don't know if the second alarm was transmitted at this point, but I'm guessing it probably was. Yes, the deputy and the You're go through trucks very quickly with that many apartments. But back in the fire apartment, you meet up with the engine company, 93? Yes, sir. They have the line and they're ready to go. 93 comes in. You know, when you work with regular officers for a while, you develop a routine. Luckily, we didn't have to throw the thermal imaging camera over the nozzle firefighter's shoulder to show him the location of the fire. Eight feet in, there was nothing but orange coming at us. So verbally, I just spoke to the engine officer and said, listen, we got to knock this room down and get that line operating in the shaft with the auto exposure. I also informed them that I was going to branch off to the right. We didn't get to search all the rooms to the right. We were in a room, but we sort of got hung up a little bit. And I just didn't feel comfortable in there. Half of this apartment was being used as a music studio. So when we went back to that front room where we got hung up on, there was like an acoustical piano and a drum set. And it was a little difficult when we were in there. We weren't sure what we were touching. Oh, yeah, I can't And the smoke, you know, you're like, what the heck is going on in here? Making a lot of noise. And they built a little, like a mini wall out where a person had to bed on the other side of the equipment. So it took us a while to get in there and search. And uh, then we came back, and the engine was making a good knockdown on the fire. When they got in the fire room, they were still having problems. And it was a giant king-size bed in this big bedroom. And then there was a sofa still was on fire. So we had to pull that out of the way and address her. 
and they washed the mattress down again, and then they went out towards the window and started knocking the fire down the shaft. While they were doing that, I turned around with the camera, and I could see the closet was still well involved. So as soon as they got that knocked down, we want to ensure that they knock the closet down good because in these big buildings... That's a likely place for right, extension. We have sure. the big channel rail. So they hide them. Right, right in the closet. So we wanted to make sure they got a good knockdown there. Yeah, and we'll explain that real quick for our listeners. A lot of these old multiple dwellings, you know, what was it, around 1929 and after, I suppose. But they started using steel channel rails to expand, you know, from the old law tenements to the bigger multiple dwellings. And they boxed those features out. They tried to hide those channel rails everywhere they could. That's why if you ever see a boxed out section that looks like it doesn't belong in one of those big MDs, they tell you that's a probably a, a channel rail. And a lot of times the builders hit them in closets as well. Quick place for fire extension once it gets in there. Right to the top floor. Right through the cock loft. All right, so now, and obviously the, and the super important thing, you guys, is regular companies there. Just that coordination. Yes, we have extension in the shaft, extension above. But that coordination between the truck officers, where is the extension? Right. 34 was very smart and let after the urgent, once they got up to the apartment, they did have extension into their apartment also. They were using their can. They called for a second line right away, and that was done by two more engine companies. One thing we all didn't realize yet is once 93 knocked our room down, and we wanted to get a better primary in there, even though the tenants tell us everybody's out you're not sure. I got the music studio in my mind. I mm-hmm. found another bed in that room. Did somebody come home late? And, you know, and they were sleeping. So we went around the room again. Most of the time you're thinking, all right, two windows. There's going to be a fire escape out there for this bedroom. And when I got over to the exterior wall, that's when I noticed that the door was only probably about 18 inches off the floor. It was completely burnt away. Then I stepped out onto the fire escape. That's when I saw the other door still burning, heavy red embers, orange embers, burning to the adjoining apartment. And uh, that's a wooden what, door, correct? A wooden <laughs> door, yes. Both at a right angle to each other. So they were the secondary means of egress for both of these apartments. Yeah. And if you want to take a look at these pictures, they're in the second edition of 2019 WNYF. And let's just explain to try to paint a picture for everybody. Because normally windows open onto a fire escape, not wooden doors. So now you're on the top two floors of a multiple dwelling and you have fire in a room that burnt away half a wooden door onto the fire escape and exposed another wooden door leading from the fire escape into an adjoining apartment, right? Exactly. You know, these secondary means of egress doors, we'll see them a lot in the large multiple dwellings. They won't have a handle. If we have a smoke door in a public hallway, they're usually on the opposite side of the smoke door. And a lot of times that could be a throat apartment. Myself, with my time on the job and where I've worked, the Grand Concourse, Fort Washington, Broadway. A lot of these also have like a servant's quarters door or a secondary means from the kitchen, another room in the apartment that leads out to a fire tower possibly. Uh, this one was a little strange for me that I was in the actual just a bedroom and it was a door. So people I would have to go through a bedroom to get to the door. Maybe not initially a bedroom. Right. It, it was small <laughs> enough and it looked like original plaster in the wall, so it yeah. threw me off a little bit. But where it went into the adjoining apartment was at the front hallway entrance. So when I got out there, the engine came back around, they washed the door down, and that's when I had heard screaming in the adjoining apartment. Right. So now you're on the fire escape. You went through the original fire apartment on the fire escape, and now you see extension into an adjoining apartment via one of these service entries from the fire escape. 
Yes, sir. And you're hearing someone on the other side of it. Right. I could hear screaming through this wood door. And uh, what I had done was I left one of the firefighters operate with the engine. They were still overhauling and checking. We still had, like, hot spots in that fire room because it was burning so good. And I grabbed my irons firefighter. The engine washed the door down real fast, and I had him force the door open. Uh, he was very good. He actually, I believe, uh, just used a baseball swing with the pike into the door frame because it was the old wooden yeah, door, right and he snapped it. When he snapped it, he pulled the tool out. I went in, and right when I turned to the right, there was a good haze. The uh, smoke in the apartment was probably down a little bit just above waist level, and I looked down the hallway about 30 feet, and there was an elderly woman in a wheelchair with her home health attendant. So one of the things there, I wasn't sure where we were, where her apartment exit was. So I felt the best thing to do right then was to take the wheelchair and the woman and go further back in the apartment. And we actually found a bedroom, opened the door, it didn't have much smoke. And we put him in the bedroom, opened the window, and I left the firefighter there for a couple minutes. I notified the chief that we had the adjoining apartment, elderly woman, and that we we're gonna shelter them in place. It was too much of a risk exposing them and I wasn't sure what type of fire exposure we had going on yet. So to me, it was okay to leave her. You had a single stairway with at least two lines stretched up. It. Exactly. And with the smoke condition we had, the last thing I needed was an elderly woman in a wheelchair yeah. blocking the public hallway. Absolutely. And did that apartment have access to the front in an emergency? Could she even Unfortunately, gotten Unfortunately, that's one of the reasons I wrote the article a little bit. The exit door to this apartment was on the other side of this secondary means of egress which is strange. You normally don't see that. It's usually at the opposite side of the apartment. Sure. So if that fire had burnt through her door worse and came into her apartment, her only exit was out the front windows because okay. both means of egress were towards the front of the apartment. I'm just curious. Did that front apartment face exposure one where the bucket was? Yes. Right, yes, so it did. So now we covered what was going on in the fire floor. Let's go back a little. Urgent extension. And again, let's just touch on that also. Your roof firefighter, after his initial duties... Poked his head over, looks down in a shaft, and gives a size up. He sees extension to the floors above. Maybe we could talk a little while. What's going on now on the floors above? Sure. One thing about that is, as an officer now, that it definitely made me aware. Whenever we have auto exposure in a shaft, I know working in a row frame area years ago, we were so concerned, a small shaft, it's in both exposures next door. In these large MDs, you're not thinking it's going to go horizontal, too. The way this little shaft indentation went you know usually you're just saying auto exposure directly above don't vent the windows i'm up here searching be careful right we got worried about curtains blinds melting but here in this little shaft it went vertical and horizontal so it made me think oh geez you know i'm not just in a row frame area where it could go both ways in the md it can 34 truck had called for the line also with the auto exposure on the floor above it went horizontal and that's where that woman was trapped in the same apartment, which would have been over the one with the lady in the wheelchair, adjoining apartment. Now, the only access to that apartment was all the way around the building if you went the hallway around the O shaft. So when that woman was removed via the top floor of the outside vent team, the reason she was panicked, the fire was also auto-exposing in her apartment, no secondary means. She was coming out the window. She was on the sill. She wanted out. And they had fire coming through her door frame, and they picked her up out of the bucket. And one thing about any removal for a truck company, remember, you know, we're just not going to bring the person down on a pedestal and let them down. Our job in our book actually says the removal is not complete 
until they're removed off the pedestal. On this street that night with the trees, very yeah. difficult to put the bucket down on the ground. So the chauffeur has to leave the pedestal, run to the back of the truck, climb up, take the woman from the bucket. She was smoked up, a little elderly, so it could be difficult. You might need some help there removing the same as an area ladder. If we climb down with a victim, it's not complete until they're down on the street off the pedestal. Yeah, absolutely. You brought up about the shafts. You know, I read your article. We know that like, there are some benefits to these big multiple dwellings. The shafts are big, so they could dissipate a lot of heat. Right. It's not like a small shaft in a row frame you talk about. The intensity of fire, you're expecting it to get into adjoining. So that's one of the benefits. And also, the, the floors are really big in these apartments. Sometimes the floors above, it's not like a small area. There is some room for the smoke to go. Yes. But... uh I looked at this building because I couldn't, I was just trying to get a picture. So I went on Google Earth. It was 385 Fort Washington in Manhattan. And it was an O-shaped building, essentially. It had two big O shafts. But am I right in saying those fire escape doors are almost in a notch? And are you saying that that created like more of a smaller shaft condition, which led to, and made it easier to spread? I believe so, too. And, uh, you know, one of the things about knowing your response area, we are on the west side, upper Manhattan with the winds coming from the west all the time, right off the Hudson River, and the way the winds come across from Jersey, you know, it can almost be like a cyclone effect in those shafts on a windy night, which can just enrage the fire to come up that shaft. So working in that neighborhood, you have to be always aware of the wind. And I agree with you, in that narrow shaft and that notch, we definitely could see much more extension. One other big thing, maybe we should mention, the importance of these neighborhoods and working in the big MDs about the FDNY and our life rope policy, where that roof firefighter really has to take a good look down that shaft. Yeah, that's where your your roof rescue is going to come. Right, and it happens here a couple times a year, and that's that's a roof firefighter's responsibility. That's great. Listen, Mike, there's another great article. We could sit here and talk for another half an hour. I appreciate you having me again, Chief. Well, listen, uh, there's a reason for that. You know, I, I read your article two or three times prior to the podcast, and it's just like the last time I had you here. You talked about a taxpayer fire you had steel plating at. So an ordinary fire that threw you a couple of curveballs and how you dealt with it. And that's the most valuable training, you know. And you and I talked previously. It doesn't matter if you're a firefighter, company officer, or chief. When you come in and they had a job, you have questions. You want to know how it went, Definitely. what worked, what didn't work. And that's why I just see such value in these articles that you write. You know, they're really a valuable training tool. We appreciate you taking the time to A, write them, and B, come down here and share with us. Well, I appreciate it. And if I could say anything to the young firefighters or the young officers, don't be afraid to share. It's about passing it on. I have uh, 29 years in the FDNY, and this was something new to me in this shaft way. You know, there's always a learning lesson in this city. And if we can pass it on to the next generation of firefighters, maybe we'll be more safer fire department and more knowledgeable so i appreciate you having me terrific mike thanks again thanks for listening to the fdny pro podcast i'm your host battalion chief brian mulry for more training and information from our subject matter experts go to fdnypro.org fdny pro is online at fdnypro.org subscribe today and get inside access to the fdny learn more about our publications professional conferences and other tools for first responders train with New York's Bravest. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty-five days a year. And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us 
to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to FDNYFoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.